Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk program with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Senator Tim Lombard on why the nitrates derogation issue is literally a ticking time bomb for the agricultural industry. The new EU Commission Forestry Program details with John Casey, Forestry Development Officer, Chagas Sandfield in Mallow. Farmers offered up to €1,200 an acre to lease farmland to solar developers. Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, has a report. First, some details of upcoming events planned for the August bank holiday weekend. 2023 Roberts Cove Vintage Festival is taking place on Sunday 6th of August in the Festival Field. Opening time, 12 noon. Cars, tractors, as well as old-time operational thrashing machine to be seen, as well as Carrigaline Men's Shed Exhibition. There will also be a number of very exciting activities, including motorbike stunt riding in a separate area by Trial Star from Dublin. Also music on stage with Gina and the Champions and the Johnny Cash Tribute Band. Elma Jordan, Agri-Kids, Farm Safety Activity, connected to Agri-Aware. As always, at Roberts Cove Vintage Festival, the very popular dog show. The Johnny Cash tribute band on stage, as well as Gina and the Champions. Weather permitting, helicopter rides have been organised. The Roberts Cove Vintage Festival on Sunday 6th of August will take place on the festival field, Roberts Cove, and starting time is around 12 noon. The proceeds go to the Jack and Jill Foundation and the local community centre and Vincent de Paul organisations. That's the Roberts Cove Vintage Festival, Sunday 6th of August 2023 on the festival field, 12 noon, a great day out for all of the family and in particular for fans of vintage machinery and vintage vehicles. And not forgetting extensive food stalls, just a small amount of the long list of entertainments available at the 2023 Roberts Cove Vintage Festival. Entry 15 euro, under 12s, free of charge. Plenty of children's amusements and people of all ages. Joining us on the farm programme, we have Mr. Jim O'Regan. Jim, you're involved with the De Corsi Vintage. Would you please remind our listeners what exactly your own role is and uh, when and where the De Corsi Vintage 2023 is taking place? Uh, I'm assistant PRO. That is my that is my grand title. The event is taking place this year on the fa- on the family farm of the Draper family uh, near Banlaspital Village. Um, uh, by their kind permission. All roads to Banlaspital area will be signposted well in advance. So people, I will say to people from Bandon or from uh, West Cork, uh, follow the signpost when you come nearer to the event and that will take you directly into the event. This event is being sponsored by uh, Mr. Jim Power, uh, who is the main Dites Far dealer for Cork County and Waterford. Again, it is a vintage event, uh, where there will be the all the old vintage machinery operating from uh, ploughing, harvesting, tilling, sowing, 
everything uh, to do with vintage as well as trashing. There will be a number of the vintage old combines operating, but I think what is unique this year is that we have uh, a 69-year-old Deitzfar combine owned by Derry Desmond and his family here in Banlispital. They have this combine will be operating on the day. It's 69 years old, and surely that must be a record. There was only two of them imported into the country, and this is the only one that has survived to date. Uh, as well as that, it will be competing against a brand new uh, Dysar combine owned by the Draper family. So that will be something well worth seeing. Um, it's it's a family deal. We're just not considering for the the, the male folk who will be. Uh, I was obviously very much interested in the, the machinery side of it. Uh, as well as the vintage machinery, there is a huge display of modern farm machinery, modern farm machinery from local contractors, and they were, we expect to have a big display of that on, uh, uh, on the day. Uh, but as well as that, then, John, we, we describe it this year as a family day out. We have um, a gardening display uh, on scene. We have arts and crafts, uh, as well as a play area for children. Uh, and music will be provided by Michael Dinehy on the day. So you can see we are just not catering for the men folk. We are also catering for the entire family. So the entire family can come along. Everyone will be entertained and uh, by, by what they'll see on the day. Uh, gates will open at 11 o'clock and the official opening will take place sometime after half one. So that's August Bank Holiday Monday, 7th of August. And Jim, is admission free? No, admission is uh, t- t- ten euros for uh, uh, two adults uh, in the car. It will be extremely well signposted from with uh, Planakilty to the to the southwest, Bandon, uh, and indeed Kinsale to the east. So uh, the all roads leading to the event will be exceptionally well signposted. And I will say to the general public or to the travelling public, follow the signpost. That will take you directly into the field. Thank you very much indeed, Jim, Mr. Jim O'Regan. Thank you very much, Jim. Thanks a million. Thank you indeed, John. Thank you indeed for your help. IFA Rural Development Chairman Mr. Michael Biggins has acknowledged the extension to the deadline for the submission of acres scorecards. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, announced the deadline for the submission of results-based scorecards would be extended by four weeks up to Friday 29th of September. Mr. Biggins said an extension to the original deadline of 31st of August was needed. He said the scores awarded in year one of the scheme set the baseline for farmers to improve upon for the coming years. He said rush jobs would only have led to shortcomings for farmers down the line. Mr. Biggins acknowledged that while it is positive that planners have been facilitated, it's important that this extension would not result in what he called yet another delay to the proposed scheme payment dates for this year 23. He said the department had already proposed a delay in payments for vital schemes such as ANC by a month until October 17th and BIWS Biss and Chris by a week until 24th of October. These delays, he said, were likely to cause farmers short-term cash flow issues. Any more delays could not be tolerated. Mr Pickens concluded by saying, environment scheme payments make up a significant portion of family farm income each year. 
with farmers having already paid for acres plans to be completed, as well as additional charges for scoring, it's vital that these monies would be received by farmers as soon as possible. A statement there from the IFA Rural Development Chairman, Mr Michael Biggins. Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association National Sheep Chair, Mr Sean McNamara, said sheep farmers could not survive on prices which had been consistently worse than last year. Mr McNamara said sheep farmers had been hammered in 2022 when lamb prices tumbled while costs were rising sharply. The situation was even worse again now with prices down on this time last year and remaining a very long way from where they need to be. Mr McNamara said throughput had remained similar to last year and this was at odds with how much prices have been falling. Mr McNamara said in the last month alone prices had come back more than a euro per kg, the equivalent of around 22 euro a head. Factories, he noted, were telling us markets are simply not there. Yet, there has not been any reduction in the levels of live imports or imports of lamb in carcass form. Mr McNamara contended sheep farmers were under severe financial pressure with no let-up in input costs and no real justification for why prices were being slashed. This had been going on for far too long and many sheep farmers were in despair at this point. He said the ICSA again put the case forward for a sheep payment worth €35 in talks with the Minister for Agriculture, Mr McConlogue, this week. Mr McNamara said this is the very least that needs to be done. Yes, he said, we need a sheep payment that can deliver €35 on an annual basis, but we also need an emergency package to support a short-term payment of €20 in twenty-three. Mr McNamara said the ICSA would argue that BAR, the Brexit Adjustment Reserve, should be used and the ICSA would not accept that this could not be done to access the fund to support sheep farmers given it's been used for genotyping the dairy herd and for the organic sector. Part of a statement there from the ICSA National Sheep Chair, Mr Sean McNamara. IFA Grain Chair Mr Kieran McAvoy said... Relentless and persistent rainfall is causing significant delays in the harvesting of tillage crops. He called on Minister Dara O'Brien to grant an exception to tillage farmers from the shallow stubble cultivation requirement. Mr McAvoy pointed out that according to Met Ayrn, Synoptic Weather Network, the majority of stations in tillage counties affected by the shallow cultivation requirement had recorded in excess of 200% above normal rainfall for July. Mr McAvoy said, for the vast majority of tillage farmers, it's impossible to attempt cultivation in fields as straw remains left in the row 10 to 14 days after harvesting. Furthermore, he pointed out, attempting to shallow cultivate stubbles when soils are saturated is simply not practical nor suitable and risks further damage to soil structure. The weather conditions for this harvest illustrate why exemptions and derogations are necessary. Mr McAvoy confirmed IFA had written to both Minister O'Brien and Minister McConlogue asking them to urgently grant an exemption for the requirement for stubble cultivation. 
Joining us on the Dairy Gould Farm Talk Programme, Mr John Casey, Forestry Development Officer, Chagas, Sandfield in Mallow and County Cork. First of all, John, welcome to the programme. Before we talk about general forestry matters, could you please remind our listeners of any upcoming Chagask events? Certainly, John. There will be a, a part-time uh, Green Start course that planned uh, to start in September. Uh, these courses are available to uh, farmers that are over 23, obviously farming, and they're looking to complete their Green Cert. So anybody in West Cork, for example, that is considering doing the Green Cert, they could contact my Chagas Education colleague, Pat Flannery, at the McCroom office at 26 now, regarding the new forestry programme, you have details of the announcements made on the 2nd of August by the European Commission. What are the details of this new forestry programme? So the European Commission announced that it had granted state aid approval to the, the, this new forestry programme. So it's worth a 1.3 billion investment by the government in the next couple of years, basically 2023 to 2027. And they have the range of planting and afforestation grant aid and uh, premiums and then they also have new supports as well. So you're looking at an increase in premiums of between 33 and 66%. So they're very substantial increases in the grants themselves. Uh, They've also moved back for farmers to 20 years rather than 15 years. Could you outline to our listeners uh, some of the main planting options and supports available under the new forestry programme? You've said there it's a, a 1.3 billion euro investment that must be hugely welcomed by people in forestry or contemplating forestry. So what are the planting options and supports available under the new forestry programme? OK, so, for example, if you're planting native forests involving oak, birch and holly, uh, there's a 100% grant in covering the cost of establishment and then there's a premium for a farmer of €1,100 per year for 20 years. Uh, it's 15 years for a non-farmer. Okay. Alternatively, you could be looking at uh, emergent forest, which is a new one. Uh, there's, a, there's a premium payment for that as well. You could also be looking at uh, mainly spruce forest with 20% broadleaves and again, you'll be looking at a slightly less of a premium of €746 Euros per hectare per year, 20 years for a farmer, 15 years for a non-farmer. Uh, one of the more interesting ones, perhaps, our newer ones, would be the agroforestry, which, of course, is a combination of planting trees uh, with a farming combination. So you, in that case, you'd be looking at €975 Euros per hectare per year for 10 years, but of course, you would also be retaining that land for agricultural use, and it would also qualify. It could also qualify for you for department's uh, organic scheme as well. So there's a number of different options that could be used there. Now, the agroforestry is this an operation now, and uh, can people apply for it? Yeah. So, the, like I said, the, the state aid approval has come through uh, yesterday, and they hope to have the program rolled out within the next. Uh, I'd say by by September, okay? Uh, the agroforestry itself, there's a lot of information on the Chagas website. Essentially, it's the integration of trees with either crops or livestock on the same land. So at the moment, the scheme itself has three different variations. It could be silvopastoral, where you have trees and then you have animals grazing underneath it, like sheep, poultry, young cattle, pigs, or you might be 
you might be doing hair silage on it, okay? The second one is silver arable, where you would have uh, maybe uh, cereal, fruit or vegetables growing uh, between lines of trees. And the third one would be this forest gardening that they're trying out, which would be essentially more nuts and berries uh, and other fruit within the um, within the woodland itself. So there's kind of three different options available to, to uh, landowners. So that's the agroforestry in agroforestry in broad, uh, broad outline. John, when we look at uh, you know forestry or any farming activity, we find there may be the need for environmental reports, the obvious fencing costs, and uh, the problem of deer or other animals out there. But are there other supports available for environmental reports, fencing costs, etc., under the new European Commission? plan of state aid announced on 2nd of August 2023. But, yeah, I suppose well, while it's, it's approval by the uh, the EU it is the Irish government's forestry programme, but yes there is, I mean for example, if farmers are going for an afforestation licence, you know there might be, uh, it could be costly in terms of doing uh, appropriate assessment so there's a grant available for farmers for the appropriate assessment, it works out at Four hundred and fifty euros per hectare for the first hectare, four hundred for the next, three fifty for the third hectare, and fifty hectare, fifty euros per hectare for subsequent ones. So the idea is that there might be a burden of getting an environmental report ready before planting, and this is to, to cover some of the cost of that. Uh, similarly, there are uh, obviously you know, if you have deer, for example, you might need to put in deer fencing, and there's an extra cost to that, and that's also there's a, additional funding. Similarly, if you went for, there's a thing called the forest for water, which would be, for many farmers, might be of interest, where they would put in a riparian zone along by a river, and it might prevent soil erosion or nutrients getting into the water courses, because, of course, everybody's concerned about water quality at the moment. So there is a very high premium for that. In fact, it's the highest forestry premium at €1,142 per hectare per year for 20 years for farmers. But in addition to that, there is also a once-off payment of €1,000 per hectare on completion of planting. So you, you can see where the emphasis is, uh, is going. When it comes to thinning, when you've got to thin out your trees... You're still required under the 2014 Forestry Act to get a felling licence. And part of that then, there is, a, there is a system in place where they look at an appropriate... It may need an appropriate assessment or not. You have to look at whether there's a risk to water courses or is there a risk to uh, biodiversity or, you know, other considerations. Say, for example, if the forestry was in a special area of conservation, there might be restrictions in terms of when you could harvest or there could be additional uh, requirements like setback distances from rivers, that kind of thing. The felling licence system has improved substantially from the backlog that was there a couple of years ago it has become more effective. Our advice in Chags would be, if you're planning to thin, you need to apply in time for the felling licence. Uh, upwards of, ideally upwards, uh, to about a year beforehand. You know, uh, If you're expecting a felling licence to come out at the end of the week, if you apply on a Monday, I, I think you'd be sorely disappointed.
Ash dieback, that's something which a lot of people have been struck by in recent years. So, Ash dieback, can we expect a report from the independent review of the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine regarding ash dieback and some kind of support scheme for farmers? Yeah, um, so the um, Minister of State Hackett uh, announced the independent review and they were starting on the 7th of June and they are expected to have recommendations within three months with a final report on uh, mid-September, I think that was what, what they're looking at. So what, what they've looked at, I suppose, is they've talked to different stakeholders, both the farmers, uh, hurley makers and other people. And the idea then is to look at the, the, that system of uh, the, the reconstitution and underplanting scheme, how that operates uh, and what can be done to support them. Like I said, the review would have to wait. It'd be mid-September, I, I suspect, before it's ready. Chagas are working very hard to try and develop or to breed some kind of ash which would be resistant to the dieback. Can you confirm that at least Chagas are involved, obviously, as scientific people, they're involved in trying to find some kind of breed, some kind of ash line that would be able to resist the dieback? Well, actually, Chagas have been at this for a number of years now where we've identified trees that have maybe not immune but resistant to the disease itself and we've built up a gene bank and the idea is eventually to produce tolerant ash seed that can then be planted out into the countryside. Okay, So these genotypes of ash, these tolerant ones, we're moving towards getting planting stock and this project is with Quilta, the OPW and then we have other partners then in the rest of Europe like Lithuania, Belgium, Switzerland, Sweden, France. So we are making progress, certainly, and we're pretty confident that we will be able to produce a resistant ash, but it will take time. Part of it is actually having to proof it once you identify the trees by planting them out and subject them to uh, high infection rates. That's wonderful, John. Now, just to go over something we did at the start of our conversation, in case anyone tuned in a bit late, I understand there will be an opportunity for a part-time green cert course starting in September. The hope started in September. It's for those people that are farming over 23 and looking to get the green cert done. Uh, I suppose really the same towards people in West Cork at the moment. Uh, My colleague, Pat Flannery, in the McCroom office can be contacted about it on 026-416-04. Thank you very much indeed for all of that valuable information, Mr John Casey, Forestry Development Officer, Chagas Sandfield in Mallow. Thank you very much indeed, John. Thanks a million. You're welcome, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme, Mr Noel Barden, news correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. First of all, Noel, welcome to the programme. Farmers offered up to €1,200 an acre to lease farmland to solar developments. That's the key to your article in this week's Irish Farmers Journal, Saturday, 5th of August, 2023. So we have a piece in this this week's journal. Um, It's going to cover an off the the comments from Chagask's energy specialist, Barry Castlin, from a farm walk um, down in County Roscommon that was held last week. And there was a bit of farmer interest in this, um, that some farmers around the country are being offered between 800 and 1,200 euros, so up over 1,000 euro an acre even, um, to lease their their land, their farmland, to, to solar developers. So these would be the large 
large scale energy companies that might have a, a few sites going and, and that kind of thing and they are really operating at scale um, and essentially the, there are farmers being approached um, by these companies and they're being offered the money and the way that the developers themselves are choosing which farms that they're targeting at this point in time would be the farms which might have a sizable enough a acreage um, or else a couple of interested farmers that would be located close together. The sites would be fairly flat and um, as well as that it, they would have to be, it would have to be farmland that's near good electricity grid infrastructure or near an ESB substation but that isn't to say that in a couple of years time with all this, this focus on climate targets and renewable energy that the, once this kind of lower hanging fruit is taken up and whoever's interested takes it up and um, that they will look for some of them maybe more hard to reach sites so these might be the sites that are further away from your substations or um, maybe which the sites that aren't quite as big that doesn't have quite as big a covering um, in in just the one area and I suppose where farmer interest really peaked up at this um, at the farm walk in Roscommon last week would have been when farmers heard that they are able to graze sheep in particular around the solar panels. So the panels themselves would typically only cover 30% of a field or a land parcel. And once you are grazing the, the other 70% with sheep, you can claim most of your, your farm's direct payments. So we would have had the BPS up to last year. Now it's the, the, base, the basic income support for sustainability. So that's what would have, been, would have originally been maybe your single farm payment. So up to 70% of that can be claimed if you are still grazing your sheep around this. So you're not fully, um, you know, handing your land over and not being able to do a lot with it. Um, but I suppose it, it would have to be said that these kind of leases, the, the company is coming in, it is seeking a licence for the, the solar farm, it is investing fairly heavily um, into the infrastructure, into the panels themselves. So it would be a longer term thing you're, you're you're not going to be able to sign up to these kind of leases for for five years or, or anything in that kind of in, in that kind of range it, it would be a long-term decision you will probably lose about 30 percent of your entitlements on that land yeah so that would be again it, it comes back to you can only claim an entitlement and you can only claim payment on land that's actively farmed so it the Department of Agriculture maintains that if there's a solar panel on, if, if you have, for example, a, a 10-acre parcel and three acres of that are covered in the solar panels themselves, that um, those three acres aren't being actively farmed. But you still can claim payment on seven of those acres, for example, um, but it would vary on a case-by-case -case basis. And I suppose where this kind of idea of how much land is covered by the solar panels were that... Um, where that really factors in um, would be when somebody goes to transfer a farm. So if a farmer is looking to transfer the farm over to uh, a son or a daughter or maybe uh, to a niece or a nephew, there are farm reliefs there. They're the, the agricultural reliefs, as they're known, and these are the, the tax reliefs um, on the transfer of farmland. Um, these are still in place for land that has some solar panels on it, but the solar farm has to cover less than 50% of the land area. 
So that's another aspect there where the, the idea comes into play of how much land is covered by the solar panels themselves and how much land is still farmland that's been grazed or maybe cut for silage or whatever. Of having an ESB substation fairly near. Yeah, so I suppose it's, it's coming back to these companies themselves. Um, they, they are looking on this as an investment um, and basically the closer they are to a substation, the less infrastructure they have to come in and put around the solar panels themselves. So it's not just as simple of, as, you know, coming into a field, um, installing your solar panels and then running a wire into the grid. Um, there is proper infrastructure that has to be there to ensure that any energy that's generated can actually make it onto the grid and then from there to people's homes or, or businesses or to, to whatever industries that the, the electricity itself might be used in. would be a good option for some farmers maybe, but there are also concerns there that have been raised. Um, so some of the concerns um, that we might have covered off in the Farmers' Journal so far would have been um, those that relate to the loss of good agricultural farmland. So in, in places maybe around North County Dublin, I know it, it's a bit away from yourselves, but it, or even places around cities in general where there might have been market gardening going on and horticulture, um, there isn't a whole lot of of activity in that sector around the country and it is very concentrated to certain areas. So if the solar panels do go in there, it, it can knock out some of those sectors. Um, and then in general, um, as your listeners would well know, the, the price of leased land, of rented land is going up. There's just such a demand there. Um, driven partly by the dairy sector, but just a, a high demand there in general. And if farmers, be they beef or sheep or dairy, are forced to kind of compete against these far bigger players, there's no way that they're going to be able to, to put that kind of money on the table that we mentioned there beforehand when these companies are offering up to €1,000 an acre or more in some cases to lease this land. And farmland with solar panels that's grazed, would that still be subject to agricultural tax reliefs? It, it kind of all comes back to this idea of how much land is covered by the solar panels themselves and the infrastructure and how much is still farmland, so how much would still be considered grassland or that. And um, the target at the mo or sorry, not the target, the, the, the kind of cut-off at the minute is 50% of the, the land area. So if the panels cover 50% or, sorry, less than 50% of the farm area, then it is still considered agricultural land and that land can be transferred with all those reliefs, which are really important for, for younger farmers or for, for whoever the successors are not to be left with a huge tax bill um, when they do take over a farm. But that being said, um, and, and the farmers were, were keen to find out more information on this at the, the farm walk, um, those, these reliefs, they are kind of, they're, they're as part of each budget, um, they're, they're updated and they're rolled over, so to speak. So these reliefs, they're not guaranteed, they're not, they're not set in stone and they could change. And all it would take is one kind of swipe of a pen for these reliefs to be changed. So it is something to be, to be wary of um, and there, there isn't a huge amount of clarity there for, for these reliefs in general into the, the medium term. There's no sign that they're going to change, but it's still not a given. It, it isn't guaranteed. 
On the same page in the Irish Farmers' Journal, Saturday, 5th of August, 2023, your colleague Stephen Robb, very interesting there, the headline is New 260-acre solar farm planned for Galway, and that's uh, Elgin Energy, I believe. I suppose that would maybe be an example of, of one of these projects that we were talking about. We are seeing more and more of them emerge, and as I said, that's where kind of some of the community concerns might might be heard um, that it really depends on the the spacing of these um, around the country that like I'm sure um, if you were a young farmer maybe in in the area you might have concerns there about your ability to, to access land when so much of it has been taken up but again um, the the climate targets are there the the energy targets and um, I suppose if there is money to be made from, from meet, meeting these climate targets, um, who better to, to claim some of this money than, than farmers? And again, it, it, it's just another option that's there. Well, thank you very much indeed, Mr. Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, for that article. And uh, we have to look and see where alternative income streams can be generated. That's wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Noel Barden, news correspondent, Irish Farmers Road. Thank you, Noel, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you. Pinnacle Senator Tim Lombard joins us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme. First of all, Tim, welcome to the programme. Now, in an article written by Kathleen O'Sullivan in the Irish Examiner online version, you've been quoted as saying that the derogation question, that's a ticking time bomb for the agricultural industry. Tim, what exactly did you mean by that, and what do you feel must be done? Yeah, look, it's a very, very strange environment we're in at the moment, and I think we've had series of of uh, hearings at the Oireachtas level regarding the nitrate for what we need to do. The EPA were before us um, three weeks ago, really important engagement to the EPA, and we got an awful lot of good information. After that, we sent an invitation to the Minister to come and meet the committee so we can actually move this issue forward. And I think we're frustrated. I'm personally frustrated that the Minister hasn't corresponded with us yet regarding a date. Uh, we are in recess, but we've made it quite clear we'll meet the Minister any day, any time, anywhere regarding this issue. Because what what we believe needs to happen here is that the Minister needs to come for the Agricultural Committee. We need to have a, a good, clear outline of where he is regarding this issue. But what's really important for the industry and what's really important for the farming community is that we need to make sure that the Minister has asked the Commission and the Commissioner to Ireland. We need to have a timeline of when they're going to come so we can show exactly what we do here in Ireland, which is unique. Like our grass-based system in worldwide issues is like ourselves in New Zealand. Nobody else actually does it the way we do it in, in Ireland. And I believe that kind of technology, what we use, what we use in the ground, needs to be shown regarding how efficient we are when it comes to nitrates and nitrogen itself. This is probably the most significant issue that's facing the dairy industry since the quotas and where we went into the quotas in the early 80s. How we deal with this issue in the next few months is really important. And I have consistently said this is an issue for the farming community whether you're grain, beef, dairy, tillage, it doesn't matter. It'll have a knock-on implication for everyone if this nitrogen action plan sees the actual liver nitrogen fail. But also it's a huge issue for our commercial and manufacturing sector when it comes to, in particular, the dairy product. We have 59 milk plants around Ireland. 
all of them have scaled up since probably 2013 all the way up. You now can be left in a scenario that we could have excess actual uh, capacity, which would have an extra charge on our actual ability to produce the product. And they're saying that could be, you know, ending up to one or two cents per litre. So this is a huge issue for our industry. And what we really need in the next few days is the minister to give us a timeline when he's going to come to the committee to have an understanding of when the commission are going to come to Ireland and, and the four people involved in making this decision so we can show them exactly what we do in Ireland. And after that then, I'll be hoping that Tagisht and the good work in particular what they're doing blowing the tag in League can be actually shown to the actual commission because the Timelee catchment has shown quite clearly that because of the good farming practices that are happening on the ground, because of the technology that they're working with, we have seen a reduction in the nitrates in the actual water system itself. And I think that became clear in the hearings that we had with the EPA a few weeks ago. The EPA hearings were very, very successful. They were very, very um, clear in what we got out of it. We got an admission from the EPA that the work below in Tim League in particular has shown a reduction in nitrogen. And that's the kind of work that we want to push around all of our trophy, all, all the catchments, to make sure we can actually reach our targets going forward. But for the next few weeks, the clear message is need to get the minister in, need to get the commission over, need to show them what we're doing in a place like Tim League, and then to make sure we come out batting that we actually save this delegation. Can you confirm or do you know if the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, if he's actually received an invitation to attend an Oireachtas Joint Committee meeting on the subject? Has he received yes. an invitation? He has received an invitation and he's acknowledged the invitation. And the word back from the department is that the Minister has always made himself available towards attending the committee. So we have that acknowledgement that the invitation is received by the Minister and the Minister of Staff. What we don't have from the Minister is a date. We don't have a timeline. We don't know exactly going to come before us. And because of the actual pressing time here, like I am very fearful that decisions could be made without the committee sitting or without the actual Iraqi sitting. Timelines is are very tight. Next October, by the start of by the end of October, we know exactly where we are. But we really need to have movement very, very quickly. We cannot wait until the next September. We have to have this meeting, like I have said next Tuesday. But look, we have to have this meeting within the next 10 days. And after that, then, we need to have the Commission and the Commissioner in Ireland. One of the most frightening facts I came across in the last few weeks is that the Agricultural Commissioner, based in Europe, from Romania, has never put a foot in Ireland yet. Like, we're a different system. We're a different way of operating. We're not the European norm. We run off grass. We run off a system where you're out out nearly 300 days a year that needs to be a part of the message that goes back to the Commission. But until the Commissioner sees it, it's very hard for them to see it and to understand it and to know it. So they are really the important points of the next few weeks for the agriculture industry. At the last meeting, the previous meeting of the Joint Committee on Agriculture, Food and the Marine, there was a fairly straightforward conflict between the findings of the EPA and the rate of their testing, the number of times they test, and indeed the ongoing several times per hour, every few minutes testing at Tim League. And in recent days, a report from EPA saying that the quality of drinking water in Ireland is extremely high. So whatever's going on 
in other areas, we find the drinking water for humans is reportedly following their tests extremely high, according to EPA Environmental Protection Agency. Yeah, and I think it's a really valuable point there. Like, we're looking at scenarios that in Timberlake, they test the water every once or eighteen minutes. So, like, realistically, it's tested nearly 5,000 times a year. What the EPA do is they test a body of water without the lake or estuary once a month. So you have a completely different testing regime. So the EPA on their testing regime that's showing once every month is showing that the nitrates isn't falling. But the actual testing is done once every 10 minutes, which is a completely different test regarding the amount of testing done per year, is showing that we are making progress. And I think that was the point I was trying to make at the committee. When you make a report to the European Commission on water quality, surely you tie everything in. The EPA were making their report and their findings and not taking into consideration the good work that's happening in places like Tim League. And you're dead right, John. Like, we've had a real significant report published in the last few days regarding drinking water. And it shows that our drinking water quality is quite unique, quite, it's at the highest possible standards. So, like, we are not a basket case. If anything, we are way above the European norm, like, compared to places like Germany, we have water quality that they will never achieve because of the actual environmental practices we've carried out in our farm and our industry over the last years. So, an awful lot of good work has been done. And what I'm actually trying to say here is that we need to tell the full picture. Tell what we've done. Tell about the changes in technology. Tell them about how much how much testing we've done and what the results are. This is anything but black and white. This is really important for our industry and it's really important not for the agriculture industry alone but for the entire rural enterprise that's there. We have 59 mill plants dotted all around Ireland, not northern centres, places like Ballinine, Charles and Mitchellstown. We need to protect them. They need to be really important. They're really important for our actual rural economy. If the nitrates goes against us, the knock-on implications for them hasn't been quantified yet. So this is a huge issue, not alone for rural Ireland, but a huge issue for the farming community as well. While you acknowledge that the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, he intends presenting himself before the Oireachtas Committee, but at the same time, you are saying it's very important not to appear before the Oireachtas Committee when it's too late to act. And would you like to give a rough date by which the Minister should have appeared in front of the Oireachtas Committee because there's no point appearing in September when the summer recess finishes? Yeah, and I think that's the point. Like, we're looking at a scenario that the Dáil and the Oireachtas are going to come into, back into full session around the 15th or 17th of September. We have the Minister before us at that stage, literally time has gone. We have six weeks really to make really, really important headway on this issue. So like I be hoping that the Minister will make himself available, if not next week, surely by the week after. Because then we need to get clarity about the Commission and the Commissioners coming here. Because that's the key factor here. Like the Minister needs to come back to us with a timeline of number one, to send the invitation to the Commission, number two, have to accept it and has he gone after them again if they haven't. Because we need to get those key decision makers in Ireland. But if we wait until mid September for this decision to come before the Iraqis Committee, to me it'll be far too late because we will have a decision made on this probably by mid to late October. Because the real stark reality will kick in. 
if we don't get our actual nitrate action plan um, agreed, then we're looking at a cull in the actual herd. We're looking at anything up to 8 to 12% of a cull regarding our actual dairy herd. And that's going to be carnage in those few months. Absolute carnage that I haven't even quantified yet. So, like, this is really important for our industry. And I do hope that the minister who got the invitation three weeks ago and has acknowledged he's got the invitation will come forward in the next few days and the next few hours with a timeline of when he's going to come before us. And, Tim, you are very confident the Irish agri-industry has nothing to hide and you would welcome the, this visit by EU Commission officials. So thank you very much indeed, Senator Tim Lombard, the Fine Gael Senator on the Shannon Air and Agricultural Panel, and also the Fine Gael Spokesperson on Agriculture, Food and the Marine. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. And listeners might like to read the Irish Examiner extensive article on the subject of nitrates, and nitrates being quoted as a ticking time bomb by Senator Tim Lombard. That's the Irish Examiner online edition, Wednesday, 2nd of August, 2023. The article by Kathleen O'Sullivan. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks for listening. The Farm Talk programme, 7am to 8am, Saturday mornings, and 10pm to 11pm on Wednesday evenings. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast sac, and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids, and fertility.